Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. This week, Julie Fishman-Raymond, AJC's Senior Director of Policy and Political Affairs, had the honor of connecting with leader of the House Democratic Caucus, Hakeem Jeffries, after he led a group of lawmakers on a recent trip to Israel. Julie, the mic is yours. Thanks, Manya. It's my pleasure to introduce Representative Hakeem Jeffries, who represents the very diverse 8th Congressional District of New York in Brooklyn and also serves as the Democratic leader. He was unanimously elected to that position by his colleagues in November 2022. And in that capacity, he is the highest ranking Democrat in the U.S. House. He is also the former chair of the Democratic Caucus, the whip of the Congressional Black Caucus, and he previously co-chaired the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee, also a great friend of AJC and the Jewish community. Congressman Jeffries, thank you for joining us. Welcome to People of the Pod. Wonderful to be on. Thanks so much for having me. I want to get started by asking you about Jewish American Heritage Month, which, as you know, we celebrate in May. Many listeners may not realize that members in congressional leadership co-sponsor very few bills, meaning co-sign or add their names to endorse them. In this Congress, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've co-sponsored fewer than a dozen bills and only one resolution, the resolution commemorating Jewish American Heritage Month. Can you speak about this effort and why it was important for you to help lead it? Well, thank you so much. And that is absolutely correct. The tradition has been that members in leadership sponsor very few bills and even fewer resolutions just because the enormity of the request is large and you want to make sure that you're being very discerning in terms of what you want to elevate as a priority. And for me, it was incredibly important to make sure that I co-sponsored the resolution that commemorated Jewish American Heritage Month for a variety of reasons, including the fact that I'm privileged to represent a district that has one of the largest Jewish communities in the country. In fact, I represent the ninth most African-American district in the country and the 16th most Jewish. And so I represent, as a good friend of mine, Leon Goldenberg, once said, Hakeem, you've got the best of both worlds. It's an honor, though, to represent the reformed Jewish community, the conservative Jewish community, the orthodox Jewish community, the modern Orthodox Jewish community, the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, and more Russian-speaking Jewish immigrants from the former Soviet Union than any other member of Congress in the country. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries, who knew? Only in America, but that's Brooklyn, that's New York City, and the Jewish community has meant so much to the country, which is why we honor and celebrate and elevate Jewish American Heritage Month, but particularly has meant so much to the district that I'm privileged to represent, to Brooklyn, and to the great city of New York. I love that so much. Thank you. One of the things that we've been thinking about at AJC is sort of the framing around Jewish American Heritage Month. The United States has many heritage months that celebrate the communities that make up our country, Black History Month, Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, and so on. And part of it is learning about each other, honoring the richness of our society, and strengthening the fabric of our nation. 
But there's another side of it as well. And some have described Jewish American Heritage Month as going on the offense against rising anti-Semitism. Do you think that's an appropriate description? And amidst lots of hate and anti-Semitism in America, does it change the way that we should think about these commemorative months as a whole? Yes, it's a great question. And I do think AJC's leadership and certainly the leadership under my former colleague and good friend, Ted Deutsch, has been phenomenally important in this area. And your leadership, Julie, of course, in this podcast and communicating information to the American people will continue to be critical. And the fact that the Jewish community is facing a shocking rise in anti-Semitism and hate crimes is a cause for alarm for all of us. And it does, I think, lead to the important conclusion that we need to rethink how we lean into the celebrations and acknowledgments such as Jewish American Heritage Month that is not just simply an opportunity to be able to communicate to the American people about the many accomplishments, the many ways in every field of human endeavor that Jewish Americans have contributed to the growth and the development of America as we know it, and that is important and that is appropriate And that is a central part of what celebrating Jewish American Heritage Month should be all about. But it also provides a vehicle to make sure that the appropriate narrative is in the public domain in a compelling way as a vehicle to push back against the rise in anti-Semitism and hate crimes. Because it's an all-hands-on-deck approach, and it is going to require using every tool available to us. The rise in hatred and extremism and divisiveness generally should trouble us all throughout America over the last several years, and particularly uh, the sharp and dramatic rise, particularly given the history of the Jewish community over thousands of years of persecutions and pogroms and pain and suffering should alarm us all, and is exactly the reason why thinking about this month as one of the tools that we can use to push back aggressively against the rise in hatred is an important and appropriate approach. Thank you again for your leadership in sort of raising the profile of Jewish American Heritage Month and for sharing that perspective. I want to switch gears just a little bit. In April, during your first congressional delegation trip as the leader, you traveled to Israel. You've been a longtime supporter of Israel, supporting Israel's right to defense, speaking out against anti-Israel sentiment time and time again. What were the biggest takeaways from this recent experience? What are the challenges and the opportunities as we start to think about the U.S.-Israel relationship now in this year? Well, it was my sixth time uh, traveling to Israel, fifth time as a member of Congress, And the first time that I traveled to Israel, I actually was a freshman member of the New York State Legislature as part of a trip sponsored by the JCRC of New York, a wonderful opportunity. Someone said to me recently, Julie, wait, you've been to Israel six times? I said, yes. That's more than any other country you've been to in the world. I said, that would be correct. They said, isn't that a lot? I said, no, not at all. First of all, I'm from New York City where we consider Jerusalem to be the sixth borough. And I'm just trying to catch up to my constituents. Every time I go to Israel, it's a wonderful eye-opening experience. This particular trip was meaningful to me in that 
I was able to actually lead a delegation for the first time in this position and choose where I would go to in the world as part of my first congressional trip on foreign soil as the House Democratic leader. And I chose to go to Israel and to Ghana, two incredibly meaningful countries to me personally, to the people that I represent, and of course, to the relationship that exists between the United States and Israel. And I wanted to do it so that it was timed to the anniversary of the 75th founding of the state of Israel, because I thought that would be meaningful for the members that agreed to travel with me and certainly meaningful to me to say to the world that we're going to continue as we've transitioned leadership in the House of Representatives to stand behind the special relationship between the United States and Israel and to make it clear that that's a special relationship that we as House Democrats believe is anchored in our shared values and our shared strategic interests. And it was incredible because of the timing of we were there both on the Day of Remembrance, which was incredibly moving, and I was able to participate in one of the ceremonies that were held to acknowledge those who had been lost, both to acts of terror and in the conflicts that Israel has been made to endure throughout its 75-year history. And then, of course, on the eve of the celebration connected to the 75th anniversary. And we had a very diverse group of members, several prominent Jewish American members of Congress, of course, like Josh Gottheimer and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Dean Phillips, Sarah Jacobs, who was a new and emerging leader, uh, but also the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, Steve Horsford, the chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, Nanette Barragan, the first vice chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, Yvette Clark, as well as the top Democrat on the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, Greg Meeks. And so it was a wonderful experience. We had important public policy discussions with Prime Minister Netanyahu, with President Herzog, with the Speaker of the Knesset, as well as the opposition leader, Lapid. They were open, they were honest, they were candid discussions about the challenges that our two countries face, but it was all anchored in our clear affirmation of Israel's right to exist as a Jewish and democratic state and our commitment as House Democrats to continue to lift up and elevate the special relationship between our two countries. So important. How is Israel doing at 75? I think Israel, it's a miracle as has been described that we've gotten to 75 years and it's a testament to the strength and the resilience and the ability, the heart, the soul, the love, the intellect of the Jewish people and the people of the state of Israel. And I'm confident that through the challenges that we all face in Israel, the best is yet to come. You had an interesting discussion because of the judicial reform issues that are underway. And we've got challenges that we're working through here in the United States of America, certainly as it relates to the Supreme Court and what is the right balance in terms of our three branches of government. And we've got to work through that here. Many of us have been troubled by recent developments coming out of the Supreme Court and Israel's working through trying to figure out what that right balance is in terms of the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary and how that works together. What has been clear to me in terms of Israel as a robust democracy 
that will continue to be a robust democracy is not the challenges that it's working through to find common ground. Uh, and those talks are being led, of course, by President Herzog. But more significantly, the fact that hundreds of thousands of Israelis have been in the streets exercising their right, their freedom of expression, their freedom of speech, their freedom of assembly, the right to peaceably gather and petition your government. That is at the hallmark of a democratic society. And that's what we've seen. And not a single shot fired. Probably nowhere else in the Middle East would that have occurred other than in Israel. And it's an affirmation of Israel's democratic character. Let me ask you this. In just a few weeks, AJC will hold our annual global forum in Tel Aviv. We'll have about a thousand or so people coming to join us at this event. Because you just led this trip, not, not a participant, but as the leader, what advice would you give to, to AJC as we welcome you know, a thousand of our friends from all over the world? Well, I, you know, I do think that every time I've gone to Israel, what has been a wonderful aspect of the trip was talking to the full range of people in Israeli society to get the perspectives on the ground in terms of their views related to the challenges that Israel confronts and the opportunities that exist to continue to thrive into the future. And those are particularly relevant conversations to have now that Israel has hit this incredible milestone of 75 years in what still remains one of the toughest, if not the toughest neighborhoods in the world. One of the reasons why sustained dialogue, sustained opportunity to engage, and wonderful that AJC is hosting this forum in the next month, is that the challenges are always uh, unique whenever one arrives in Israel. You know, it could be Hamas, it could be Hezbollah, it could be uncertainty in terms of the Iranian malign activity in Syria. It's always Iran's efforts to try to secure a nuclear weapon, and we're going to make sure that Iran never becomes nuclear capable. Challenges in Gaza, there are different moments in time where a particular concern meets a level of urgency, but it's always consistently within the frame of Israel living in a very tough neighborhood, which is why, you know, we reiterated as House Democrats directly to Prime Minister Netanyahu our commitment to ensuring Israel maintains its qualitative military edge. My view on this thing has always been, and I grew up in central Brooklyn, came of age in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. I kind of know from tough neighborhoods. That was a tough neighborhood I grew up in. Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, Gaza, chaos in Syria, in Iraq, Iran with nuclear aspirations, dangerous situation in the Sinai. That's a tough neighborhood. And in a tough neighborhood, the one constant, as I've consistently said, is strength. You can achieve peace, you can achieve stability, but you can only achieve it through the lens of strength. And I think part of the dialogue that we all should continue to have and would be important for AJC to continue to have is, you know, what are the severe threats that Israel currently confronts and how can we continue to ensure 
that Israel has the strength to defend itself and to provide a foundation for lasting peace moving forward, building upon things like the Abraham Accords. Absolutely. Strength through allyship, strength through friendship. Relatedly, I want to ask you about the portion of this trip that went to Ghana, which of course makes a lot of sense. Ghana is an important U.S. ally. It's also a country that still bears a lot of the scars from slave trade. And when you were naming the members of Congress who were with you on this trip, there were a lot of Blacks and a lot of Jews. And you are someone who has really invested a lot of time and effort and dedication to Black-Jewish relations. I think you joined the Congressional Caucus for Black-Jewish Relations an hour after it was started at our Global Forum in 2019. Did that Ghana to Israel trajectory spark any conversations about the state of Black-Jewish relations across the globe what it looks like in Congress and what we can be doing to continuously try to collectively improve those relationships. Yes, you know, AJC's effort in terms of forming the Black Jewish Caucus was a wonderful thing, a great foundation. In in many ways, the trip to Ghana and to Israel is in that same tradition. And as you pointed out, Julie, there were a lot of African-American members of Congress who were on the trip and a lot of Jewish American members of Congress who were on the trip who visited both countries. And we were able to, in both Ghana and in Israel, in Ghana, you know, visit the Cape Coast slave castles, which were central to the horrific transatlantic slave trade. And we also were able to visit Yad Vashem. And I was able to lay a wreath and make it clear that we would never forget and never again allow the horrors of what was seen during the Holocaust to occur. And it was important that in addition to in Ghana, for instance, meeting with President Akufuado to visit the site for a lot of the activity of the transatlantic slave trade. And of course, the ties that then connect to the African-American community in the United States of America and to visit the door of no return, but also to make sure that in the time that we were in Israel, almost every time that I've been there, We've always made it a point to make sure that we visited Yad Vashem. It's always a very powerful, moving experience, and it was the same. And to be able to do it together with Black members of Congress and Jewish members of Congress and leaders who were not Black and Jewish but were on the trip with us was really a powerful experience, I think, for everyone involved. And I think it's important for us to continue to try to lean in to strengthening the relationships between the Black and Jewish community. It's something that, because of the district that I represent, has always been central to my time in public service. I am moved by the fact that at least part of the district that I represent, and I told this story during the Democratic Caucus celebration of Jewish American Heritage Month, but I try to tell it whenever I get the opportunity, that I do represent a district that was once represented in part by Emanuel Seller. And Emanuel Seller was the longest serving congressperson in the history of the country. He served for 50 years, first elected in 1922 and served through 1972. He was a staunch ally and advocate for the special relationship between the United States and Israel from the very beginning. He was there 
I believe, with Truman when the United States first recognized Israel and was there to support the special relationship every step of the way throughout the time that he was in Congress. But what also is little known about Manny Seller, as he was affectionately known in Brooklyn, is that during the 1960s, he was also the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, which meant that he played an important role legislatively in making sure that the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act became the law of the land to crush Jim Crow and crush the effort to oppress the ability of African-Americans, particularly in the South, to participate fully in our democracy. And then you go to civil rights museums across the country, and whenever there have been exhibits, uh, even here in the Library of Congress, there is usually always an acknowledgement of the role that Manny Seller played. And I'm proud of the fact that I can represent a district that someone who was such an important link between the Black and Jewish community and actually played a meaningful role in helping to advance legislation to change the course of America and supporting the efforts and leadership of Dr. King and others is an important thing. That's a tradition that I look forward to continuing to build upon. And at the same time, to be able to represent a district, as I mentioned earlier, where I serve more Russian-speaking Jewish immigrants from the former Soviet Union than anyone else. And to know that Dr. King took time out from his days of leading the civil rights movement to speak to Jewish leaders and rabbinical leaders across the country, famously anchored in his guiding principle that injustice anywhere is a justice everywhere. And there was great injustice being directed at the Jewish community that was behind the Iron Curtain during the days of the Soviet Union and to use his voice to speak up on behalf of what he appropriately viewed as his Jewish brothers and sisters who were facing oppression, that that example that was set by Dr. King, that example that was set by Congressman Judiciary Committee Chair Manny Seller, who wasn't just focused on strengthening the relationship between the United States and Israel, but also dealt with the injustices directed at African-Americans throughout the United States. That's a powerful heritage for us in Congress for us as leaders, as AJC has promoted, to continue to build upon. Thank you so much. You've provided us with such a sweeping understanding of not just the history, everything from Manny Sellers to Martin Luther King to Yad Vashem, but also a vision for where we can all go collectively, whether it's in May, Jewish American Heritage Month, during Black History Month, or every day trying to honor the legacy of Americans from all facets who lift up our great nation and make it what it is today. Leader Jeffries, thank you for your leadership and thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. What an honor, Julie, to be on and all the best to you and look forward to continuing to work closely with Ted, with AJC on behalf of the issues that we all care about, particularly as it relates to the well-being of the Jewish community here in the United States of America and throughout the world. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my conversation with the Jewish bluegrass duo Nefesh Mountain, featuring not one, but two live musical performances, a wonderful way to wrap up our month-long series of shows honoring Jewish American heritage. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. 
Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.